0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to immerse yourselves in the American Immersion Theater Podcast with your hosts, Scott Crampton and Anessa Johnson.
1: Immersion ears. I'm Scott, the Maverick of Immersion Crampton, and this is my co-host.
0: I'm Anessa, experiential theater fairy godmother Johnson, and welcome to the next episode of American Immersion Theater Podcast.
1: On acting. So uh we kind of split this. Uh One is on acting, which is more for, you know, people who are potential actors or want to learn more about the acting field. Mm-hmm. Um, Anessa's been acting now for...
0: Oh, a long time. My first play was in sixth grade. <laughs> I would consider myself seriously acting for about 10 years now. So
1: you weren't seriously acting in sixth grade is what no, you're saying? was not. wasn't the was height not, of your professional career? No,
0: I was in Scheherazade, I believe is what it was called. I was a little side person <laughs> who hung out with the person who was my sister and tried to not speak on stage as much as possible.
1: I threw mm-hmm. up the first time I was on stage. It yep. did not go well. Yeah. It did not go well at all. Come along. Long uh, way huh. now, you
0: only throw up like half the time,
1: yeah. Usually, it's before now, mm-hmm. not while I'm actually on the stage it's or progress. running off. Yeah, it's progress. <laughs> uh, so and I've been acting, uh, I've done about a thousand of um, our shows, like murder mystery styled the immersion theater type shows, uh, which is probably like first or second in the company because I did every show for almost a decade, yeah. Um, and I've been a paid professional actor for, I guess, about 17 years now. So, we're going to talk about something, uh, and let's launch right into kind of like uh, our main story here.
0: We want you to be an immersioneer.
1: Now, the big thing that we are going to talk about here for immersion theater acting is how do you choose a person to participate? Yep. This is a crazy art form and I want to frame this as it is not nearly as simple as you might think. Uh, no. I have read a lot of psychological book, psychology books on this. Um, I have done a lot in, you know, this particular field. Uh, we're kind of opening with, You know, one of our biggest things, this is the strength of our company Mm -hmm. is the concept of we're so very, very good at choosing an audience member. So, uh, Anessa, tell me one of the first things you think about when choosing an audience member.
0: One of the first things is when you're going and talking to the table, you'll often do your introductions and you make some kind of a gesture. I'm always looking for the person that's mirroring whatever action you made, whatever gesture you did.
1: So this this goes into a lot of different things when people think, oh, I need a volunteer. Uh, so you don't need a volunteer. First off, volunteers are terrible. Um, <laughs> you what you want is somebody who's good at playing along, mm-hmm. which means they're good at following directions. You certainly don't want them to be terrified, but you don't want them to be this over, you know, too big a person. So we have a very complex system we call the table speech that we literally practice every single week mm-hmm. at American Immersion Theater and the table speech uh, is probably the crutch of the show. It's what makes us so successful. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds basic, but basically uh, we do body mirroring, as Vanessa says, and we're looking for different things in the body mirroring. So what are some things that you look for when you're watching people body mirror you?
0: Um, I'm looking for a person who is doing the same motion that I'm doing. They're not like kind of halfway doing it or they're not way over the top and over exaggerating it to a point that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for someone who's basically paying attention to what you did, and they're playing, you know, Simon Says or follow the leader or whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I can't agree more. The over mirroring is actually the most dangerous, and that's what most people choose. Most mm-hmm. people end up choosing to pick an audience member that is really outgoing and very very big. And uh, now, how do you get people to body mirror you? That that's a big question here. Um,
0: the big thing thing is you have to get everyone's attention and have them actually paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you basically present it in a way that everyone is doing the thing so they don't feel like they're out of place in following you.
1: Yeah. So, for example, I'll have somebody, like, when I do it, I'll have mm-hmm. somebody, like, say, a, hey, um, I'm like, everybody say hello to the to Artie at the table and give a big wave. And then I do this exact big wave, non-traditional gesture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first time I do the body mirroring, I tell them what to do and then I show them. And for me, I kind of keep my elbow at like 90 and I, ju- I do like a full 180 with my arm, like side to side basically. Windshield
0: wiper. Uh,
1: whole windshield wiper, yeah. <laughs> big windshield wiper. Uh, and the people that go over the top, use two arms, like don't keep their elbow at 90, maybe like extend their whole arm above their head and mm-hmm. do a really big wave. Those people immediately are like, these are not going to be people playing suspects. They're not going to be chosen. Uh, and that's for a couple of reasons. One uh, they're going to take over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's probably the most dangerous. Now, when you call somebody up on stage, it can be – it's scary, right? It can It's very scary for new actors. Mm-hmm. I love it, but we also do these kind of things. But it can go really ridiculously bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we made um, – somebody made a girl, and I don't know what her real human being name is, but it was a show I was doing in Dallas, and she went by the name – Sapphire, the cyclone is what she kept saying. Oh, not her real name and not her character name. You it sure was that Sa- wasn't yeah. her
0: real name? Yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, it's possible her name was Sapphire, but at that point in time, I'm pretty sure her parents were like, maybe she could strip. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Sapphire is pretty much a stripper name and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine being like Dr. Sapphire, please come to the,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, you know, so we gave her a character and we gave her like the outgoing fem- Fatale character, and she was like heavy set, uh, in her thirties, African American woman in Dallas. And it got to such a large extent where she took over that I literally stopped the show and I said, All right, here's what we're going to do. Sapphire, I'm going to give you like two minutes right now to strut dance and do whatever you want and we're just going to turn on music and applaud and that's actually what we did Oh my! but it was she was so uncontrollable it was kind of like that story they say of Jim Carrey where like he was so hard to deal with in school his teachers gave him like five minutes <laughs> at the end of every class I've never heard that you've never heard that yeah No. so yeah he, he was so hard to control in school and he, he kept interrupting so frequently his teacher She made up a deal. She said, if you don't interrupt me for an entire class period, I'll give you like, you know, between three and five minutes at the end of each class period to talk, be funny, do whatever you want and basically perform. And he did that with a teacher for an entire semester. Um, So did it work?
0: Did they at least get it 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 out of the system? It did.
1: It it was the only way we got the show back on the rails. But the real question is, if we hadn't empowered uh, Sapphire to do that, Mm -hmm. it you know, it, it probably wouldn't have happened. So the mistake there is they saw, um, S- Sapphire the Cyclone, uh, and they're like, this lady is going to be so big and so outrageous. And they gave her a character and they weren't listening to the, they weren't seeing, I guess, the body mirroring thing that she was, uh, she was doing, or I assume she was doing, which is over body mirroring mm-hmm. because over body mirroring people don't listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're showing you, I'm going to do what they did. And a lot of times, like, Sapphire the Cyclone, she was a great example of like kind of fun, Mm -hmm. but most of the time these people get drunk. Uh, Drunk is like a huge thing that happens to people over body mirror. And most of the time they don't actually know what being funny is Mm -hmm. like Sapphire. That was a star of the show and was amazing. And everything we did was not as good as what Sapphire did. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely been in scenarios when I first started. And, uh, you know, there's a guy who gets progressively more drunk and then he says something horrifying on stage. Yep. Yep. You've had that.
0: I've heard stories about that. (laughs) I haven't had too many people say things they shouldn't on microphones at least, but you've definitely had some very questionable interrogations. Uh,
1: Yes. Yes. So it's important. you got to pick somebody who's going to be, you know, mirroring you pretty much exact. Now, Mm -hmm. the next thing after I do that, and this is pretty much in our scripts. It's pretty standard, but uh, I say give a big wave. Then I, the next person or somebody who over mirrored me, I'll be like, and what's your name, sir? And they're like, Tony. And I'm like, everybody say, yo, Tony. And I like pound my chest twice and do kind of like a fist bump salute. And then I watch for people who do it without me. Mm-hmm. saying, do this mm-hmm. if they're still mirroring me. So if we do that, then I know those people are people who will follow directions and then are good at assuming what they're supposed to do. Yep. And that's huge. Definitely. That is huge for the immersion theater movement. Um, It is huge for when you're figuring out audience members for almost anything from magic to um, magicians get very good at this. And that's I used to be part of the International Brotherhood of Magicians mm-hmm. and that's part of where I picked up a lot of this stuff because in the magic world you're like pick a card some assholes will just be like uh oh I swore uh, we'll have to cut that out
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, uh, some people will literally just like uh, take the deck and like throw it or oh. something like that that happens oh,
0: no. uh play so you, 52 card pickup. yeah exactly no, no I don't I want to show you a magic trick you
1: no know, I have to <gasps> I'm going to side tangent here for a second but uh so I had I'm not sure if I've ever shared This on the podcast, but I had an amazing experience with the international close-up magician of the world, Michael Amar. Did I ever share this? No. no. All right, so uh, Michael Amar did this kind of like private thing for our um, for International Brotherhood of Magicians uh, sec. uh, section or troop or whatever you call them. Geek squad. I don't know. <laughs> army. Of Ar- magic army. Of dudes. Dudes. Yes. <laughs> and he had this great story and he said, you know, my whole life I've been doing magic and I've never actually just been to a magic show with people. And recently he's like two years ago, I took my mom to a magic show and I realized I have been doing it all wrong because when I, when I got to the magic show, I realized I was sitting there next to my mom and just praying praying that they wouldn't call on her Mm -hmm. and that's when i realized that magicians call on people and make them look dumb Mm -hmm. so he's like at that point in time i changed everything and um i changed everything and what we did is uh we literally just make people look cool Mm -hmm. And that's a large portion of what we do at American Immersion Theater. Um, But, yeah, that's my side tangent. (laughs) Um, All right. So what um, what were you going to say? What are some other things beyond body mirroring that, like, we could talk about?
0: A very big thing is eye contact. You're looking for someone who is not only paying attention to you, but they're actually making direct eye contact with you. That shows you they're engaged in what you're saying and they're actually paying attention. Um, And another thing is one of the things I pay attention to is when I have people who will start a conversation with me by asking questions. Yeah, it's not the same as someone starting a conversation to tell you something.
1: That's a really astute thing, too. Like, that's Mm -hmm. really astute because that tells you what kind of person they are, how engaged they
0: are. Right. The people asking questions are already on board with what you're doing. They want to be part of this and they want to get to solving the crime. People who are telling you things are the people who want to be the spotlight, which, you know, is fine, but it's not necessarily a great choice for the suspects for the reasons we talked about.
1: Um, so I, I think some of the other things that people um, we, we don't talk a lot about is uh, pitfalls. Mm-hmm. So some of the pitfalls is, as we mentioned, kind of super outgoing Um one thing is to think about with the super outgoing people, you feel like you're wasting them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the big I, I found that fears with actors. You're like wasting. There's this great guy oh, he's going to be so amazing and uh, he's not going to get anything out of the show. Well, if you're doing immersion theater or you're doing interactive theater and you don't get chosen, a lot of times those people that are really outgoing are still going to have an amazing time yep. because they get to get up, they get to interact with the people that were chosen they get to be team leaders they get to uh, they get to interact in some ways and this is true with like kids parties a lot too like the, the child it, you, you don't need to make a, a outgoing child feel more special you mm-hmm. just need to give back what they put in mm-hmm. so they don't feel like they're putting a lot in and just not getting anything out of it Definitely, uh, but those kind of outgoing people already have that um, and making them even more special isn't really helping them, it oftentimes, because they're not professional, ends up hurting them because they get in over their depth mm-hmm. and they end up acting really, really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one thing, probably the last thing to think about is what, when you're picking somebody, what are you giving them? What are you picking them for? And um, that, that thing to think about is what do people want? And when people come to a show when people are doing immersion theater, when when you're as an actor uh, thinking about people in general, a lot of times we stereotype and stereotyping from some perspective, like judging a book by their cover. If you only have time to look at the cover, you sometimes have to kind of do this. Mm -hmm. But... What you need to figure out is what do people do for them normally? Mm-hmm. So, for example, if they're attractive, don't make them somebody that's just attractive and is going to get hit on all night because mm-hmm. that's their life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not going to be a big factor for them. Yeah, if, make
0: them the professor yeah, or the doctor or exactly, someone who's because get intel or get attention for their intelligence, not for their appearance.
1: If, if you're a ripped dude or an absolute knockout female, there's not a lot of times that people are like your passing by a construction site and people are like, oh my God, look, she's probably a
0: genius. (laughs) You know,
1: Um, so that's the opposite of what they might normally get Mm -hmm. from society. Uh, What about old people?
0: Yeah, you definitely don't want to make your elderly gal the 88 year old cougar in the show. It's way more fun for her to be the little girl, the eight year old, you know, April Showers or Annie Fanny.
1: Yeah, I, uh, for old people, you got to think of what they have. They're, they're always playing old. They're always mm-hmm. reacted to as old. Uh, most old people I meet want to be either young or powerful or sexy mm-hmm. because they either used to have these things. Sometimes they still have some of them. I'm not saying universally, but eight-year-old girl is good. Sometimes mm-hmm. a femme fatale like yeah. a Scarlet Rue, that can be really fun Absolutely. because you're not crossing boundaries. They can do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not that uh, like, let's say you have a a you know, 30-something guy, and you give like a 68-year-old woman a boa and say you're the femme fatale. Well, she's going to be able to hit on that guy mm-hmm. in different ways that feel less threatening. Yep,
0: definitely. Uh,
1: just kind of like there's a Saturday Night Live sketch that I that I absolutely love. Um, and it was the it was with James Franco and it was part of the Me Too movement. Um and basically they had two people in the office. And they were talking about their both of their behaviors and uh, they were talking about letting them both go. And one of them had been like, you know, their, their boss. And it was James Franco who looks very nice. Uh, he's, you know, his 30s, very good looking. And he said he said things like, look, I just said maybe you should put on some lipstick to get more attention. Mm-hmm. And the females in the office were like, Boo! <laughs> I hate you, James Franco. <laughs> You're the worst human. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, um, uh, what is it, Keenan? Uh,
0: Keenan Thompson, Keenan
1: Thompson, who is playing, uh, like old Willie, the janitor. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and they're like, well, and w- old Willie, what did you say? And he's like, well, I said, let's get some more fries with that shake. Oh, you got something fine. You're packing here. And then the late, <laughs> but he's older and mm-hmm. he's non threat, not threatening. And I'm not saying that's okay. Just for reference. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, in general, there was a different reaction to that, right. you know, and the, la- the ladies all stood up and like, oh, th- oh, Willie, he's mm-hmm. a Hilarious! Yep. Oh, that's Willie being Willie, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, you yeah. end up finding out at the end that he's way more creepy. And I think he came to one of their houses or something. anyway, yeah. he like what or maybe maybe embezzled. There was some kind of twist like Saturday Life always has. But an um, old Willie. <laughs> but if when you when you're not in the confines of like what would be a realistic relationship, mm-hmm. then you things are a little bit more safe. Mm hmm. And that's something you should kind of consider when you're allowing people to play in a theatrical type environment mm-hmm. uh, like Anessa. If you go around hitting on a bunch of uh, men, as sad as it is. Some of them, even if you're in costume and character and have a name tag, are going to be like, I think this woman likes me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. if you think that if you're a female listening right now and you're like, that seems so stupid and so unrealistic, that can't possibly be true. Remember that almost every guy in the world at one point in his time has said in his own head, you know, I think this stripper really likes me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the whole stripping thing is being like, I'm paying for, I'm paying for the service, but honestly, she's a big fan of mine. She's bro. Into it. She we'd seems like, yeah, we'd be dating, but there's, you know, life restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, Circumstantial. So, <laughs> um yeah, so, uh, anyway, uh, guys are willing to believe anything, but if I, uh, but if Vanessa, you play, like, if you play the 88 year old woman, mm-hmm. you can hang on guys the whole time and it's not, it's not a big deal. You feel safer, oh, yeah. right? And they're
0: just kind of like, what is this chick doing? She's it, really weird. This is it, funny. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're pinching
1: cheeks here, as- you know, you can do mm-hmm. all these different things you don't, you couldn't normally do, but mm-hmm. the older character that creates an undefined, illogical relationship gives you that kind of freedom. Definitely. Um, So basically it's about the opposite. The only time where it's not the opposite I have found is really big guys –
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: built guys really just want to be built guys.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> make them the enforcer.
1: Yeah, you make them the enforcer or make that, you know, allow them to play like a bodyguard role and they seem to really like it.
0: Well, they've Maybe worked hard for that.
1: They, they have worked hard for that. But the uh, I think the other thing is they just don't get to do it. Does yeah. that make sense? Like it, it would be like if you go to you train, I trained for Taekwondo. And the problem with it is despite the fact I'm like four years in or three years in or something like that that uh, I never use it. Right. You know, like it's never it never comes up. Mm-hmm. So you get these big guys and they're not really bouncers. They never get to actually be bodying for it. Uh, so in a way society doesn't give that to them. Mm-hmm. And that I think is a part of what immersion theater, or at least American immersion theater is about and what you should consider from an acting standpoint about choosing suspects or not, or choosing anything in an immersion world or how to pick, you know, general people of the audience is are you giving them another thing that they always get mm-hmm. because they're paying to be there. So what, what are you, what are you giving them? What experience are you really, really saying to them?
0: Right. Um, and it, those experiences they don't get in real life. That's what makes the experience so special for them.
1: Yeah. You know, a- a- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as far as this goes, I have to say that, you know, I feel, of all the topics that we cover, this is definitely one of the things I think we do the best. Definitely. Um, I will say uh a couple other fast things. These are just quick hitters, but um if you're ever if you're watching for people and you choose one person out of the audience, uh you can tell if the people next to them wanted to be chosen or not mm-hmm. almost instantly. Um if they do what appears to be a bomb explosion <laughs> Um, where they do the like back away kind of thing. Yeah, I'm doing it here, but it's a podcast. Yep. Um, they, like dive yeah. Um, like diving. Yeah. Like their chair. Like if they do exactly what would happen if a bomb went off on the chair of the person you picked, uh, where they're like backing away and like cowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's more subtle than that, but like they do a lean away is really mm-hmm. what it is. Um, when they do a lean away, uh, that means you shouldn't pick them for anything. Mm Uh, one great example of picking somebody that if you don't even interact with them at all, um, but you are just walking kind of past them or past the table. Uh, when people turn to watch you, mm-hmm. uh, outside of like creepers, um, uh, they turn <laughs> to like watch you or they kind of lean more into you. Like they're looking around to see what you're doing. The mm-hmm. people that are looking around to see what you're doing fall into either two categories. I really, really hope I get picked or I really, really hope I don't get picked.
0: Yep. And uh, you can usually kind of see that on their face when you look at them. Uh, too. Like you you, you can. know which way they're hoping uh, it's going to go. Yes.
1: Yes. You usually can. Um, mm. I think I'd like to end it with this. This is a common thing. Uh, immersion theater in general, uh, has two categories for like, using people in the audience category one is what we do uh, and what we believe which is it should be an experience that we do what's best for the show category two is you pay for the experience mm-hmm. you know it's coming up and i'd love to explain a little bit and i'd like to know your thoughts too anessa of why we choose to do one or the other uh the first one is it feels like a money grab And that always feels like it to me. I don't know if it feels cheap to you. But like when you like when you're like, I paid ten extra dollars to be a suspect. Mm -hmm. It it feels like it's another elitist type thing. It's just too elite. It's too Mm -hmm. money grab. It feels like what we're doing, like our art form. It it seems to me it cheapens it. Yeah. Um, But the most important thing I think is. As actors, you lose the control you would have. Right. And you like you need that. Like if they just pick themselves and you have you ever been a show where the uh, client made you have like these 10 people or something like that.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it backfires because sometimes you get those people who are the super outgoing and the clients like, they're going to be awesome. They're so outgoing and you can't control them by the end of the first act because they're just so into it and they just want that attention. Yeah.
1: Just because you think it's likely what's true, it doesn't mean it is what's true. Mm -hmm. And like 98% of people feel like the people to pick from the audience is Outgoing people. And that's obviously just not true. So Mm -hmm. if you, uh, if you're like buying this for your brother and your brother is outgoing, you're going to pay that extra $10. And now you have this out of control runaway show. Yeah. And so you've made it cheaper and you've made it kind of runaway show. Uh, the other thing is you can't like, they might just not fit. Mm-hmm. Like for the character, for the part, some of this is casting. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I will do things that don't necessarily give people an exact differential, but are lookalikes in a sense. Mm-hmm. So like we used to have a te- one of my favorite characters ever is Theodore Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if people remember him being in Crime and Punishment, but Teddy (laughs) Roosevelt. So if we ever had a guy with like a white mustache, that dude was playing the president of the United States. Yep. Every time.
0: I've seen people come to um, we have a sound mind, which features a magician. And we had a guy come in complete magician outfit and his date came as a white bunny. Yeah, absolutely. Naturally became the magician. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And sometimes Mm -hmm. that works. And if people want that bad, I, I feel I usually feel very different. Also, you can get really, you can get negative score points from the audience, so to speak. You know how there's that running tally in everybody's head. And mm-hmm. you can get away with some stuff, but then not other things. If you have a dude dressed up as a magician and they didn't get to play.
0: Mm-hmm. You pick a guy who's wearing like,
1: yeah, and skin, they didn't get to cartoons, play. Yeah, people will. That's a couple of <laughs> negative points off. Another one is children. Mm-hmm. So if you have like a really outgoing 12 year old and that dude didn't get to to play, Mm -hmm. uh, or that little, especially little girl didn't get Mm -hmm. to play and there was a part they could have played. You've lost a lot of points with the audience. Yeah,
0: people love seeing the kids get to be highlighted like that, even if they don't know them. Actually, the last show I did, we had a kid who was probably like nine years old and he did our reenactments and people at the end, they gave him an award and people lost it. They cheered more for him than any of the other suspects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, People like it. You got to read the audience well when you're kind of doing this thing. It's like who to pick. Uh, Obviously, kids are very popular, but they have limited acting experience. Experience. So sometimes I do make them the eight year old. Uh, sometimes I, because they might not be able to play the 88 year old, mm-hmm. I like to make kids professors if I can. Yes. Or like like a mm-hmm. high end, intelligent role, because that's obviously, you know, not what you assume from, you're never like, oh, oh look at that adorable nine year old. Obviously, he's an Einstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say, I like 10 uh, is usually my general idea for when I want them to play a character. And mm-hmm. I, if there's like 20 kids in the audience, that's different. Right. But so often there's like two. Right. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how many times do they win? All the time. Yeah, Yeah, the
0: kids are great. I swear most of the time when there's kids at the show, their team ends up, even if they're not like... The winning team, they at least are very, very close, if not right. Yeah, because They're they have so like all. Good. Yeah,
1: the kids because kids run up to every suspect, and oh, technically, yeah. if you were an audience member and you just left out there mm-hmm. and got as much information as possible. That being said, definitely when kids come up to you, you tell all your secrets. Yeah, you're like, let me tell you this and this and this, uh-huh. and then they come back to the table and they have this ridiculous amount of information.
0: They know how <laughs> to play the game.
1: Uh, well, I I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, our on acting segment uh, at American Immersion Theater podcast. Um, we're very very excited about uh, being able to do this every week. We do have a Facebook page, uh, American Immersion Theater um, dot com or not dot com. I'm so bad. At
0: that.
1: I'm so <laughs> bad. At we're that. old. Oh yes, Anessa, you're so. How old are you? Twenty eight. You're not that old. <laughs> Uh, I am I am gnarly a decade older than you, um, so uh, yes, we have on the Facebook. Um, you can type in American American Theater like us there. You can ask questions there, uh, and if you are interested in uh, signing up, we have some closed spring auditions throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're not familiar, we're in 23 different states.
0: 20? Oh yeah.
1: 20? Yeah, we have like 25 like troops. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, we're in a lot of different states and then we have like you know california is, like three different troops yeah <laughs> uh soon to be four um and uh you can go into ait.careers that's ait.careers ait is standing for american immersion theater and that's it uh i hope you guys liked it this is scott from american immersion theater reminding you that theater is a story about others
0: american immersion theater is a story about you good night good night <laughs>